freaking what up, dude? Um, Strider Wilson, and I'm the host of this podcast that's mine. Gonna be called History is Nice. Friggin' what up, dank Torians, dude? I'm your host, Strider Wilson, dude. We got Aaron on the sticks, as always, dude. What up, Aaron? What up? Chilling, dude. And we got an extra special treat right now, dude. If you read the title of the ep, if you're watching on the YouTube, maybe you already know the man who coined the term dank Torians sitting across the table, JT Parr. What up, dude? What up, Dangtorians? Boom, clap. Let's go, dude. Very fired up to have my dog fired on the pod, too. dude. Yeah. Let's just, ready to bring the heat, dude. I just want to talk about everything, dude. What's going on, man? Let's just cut it up, dude. I want, want to get in shot. There's domes, dude. Usually, um, JT on um, History is Dank, we start out with a little personal history, you know, what's been going on as of late. And, you know, the holiday season's coming up, and I'm thinking, you know what could be a fun thing to talk about right now? And is maybe one of our favorite holiday memories. Like, what's a good holiday memory? I'll start, give you guys some time to think. And uh, one of my favorite holiday, holiday memories was um, our dad got us a half pipe, dude, growing up, which was sick, dude. Orange County, dude. Yeah, dude. Stuff was nice, dude. You know what I mean, dude? Uh, we ate brunch while we watched the dudes build it. But seriously, dude, the guys building it were jacked and chill. And it was in this, it was in a garage, so it was protected from weather. And then we would have skate sessions, and my older brothers would have their friends come over, dude. Vinny Vichuto would come over. He could blunt stall. I remember everyone was like, dude, Vinny rips. Yeah, dude. those Vichutos were good at extreme sports. Fantastic. Yes, dude. You get them on and any- jacked. Dude, bro, they have man bodies. No, no, no. The older brother Vinny has a man body. Like, dude, you saw him. It was like, uh, you do honestly. Like, maybe I did want to let him around my mom because my mom, you know, I don't think my dad was really. He has a small penis like me, so I don't think he's really getting the job done. You know, it worked. He He made five kids. His mouth or his fingers. He seemed like a greedy lover. You know, my dad seemed like a greedy lover, and and I and and I have proof of that because one time (laughs) we were like moving out our old TV. You have proof. Oh yeah, the, and, the, and yeah, too, I, I watched them, dude. That's my favorite Phil Collins song, by the way. <laughs> Is greedy He's lover? A greedy lover. He comes before you every time. No way, that's a song. He thinks <laughs> no. of another. He's not really paying attention to your face. <laughs> uh, I lost it at the end. But one time we were moving a TV. And there was like a mouse trap down that hadn't sprung yet. And so someone had to pick it up. And my dad goes to my older brother, Andrew. He's like, pick that up. And Andrew's like, no, you pick it up. Like, you're closer to it right now. And, and my, my dad's a dermatologist doctor. He goes, do you know how valuable these hands are to the family? And we're both my brother and Victor are like, what a, what a douche, dude. Freaking schmoll move. And so then my brother Andrew just like used a broom and like swept it in the thing. We're like, could have been circumvented, but he's like, you need to pick that up with your fingers. Is it, is it impossible not to punk your kids a little bit if you're a dad? You got to. Especially if you're like, you know, your dad's successful, smart guy. Yeah. He must have been like, I got to bully these guys 10% of the time. And my, my dad did the same thing. Yeah. And I think you'd almost want that over a dad who was subservient. This is what I said. And this is actually, JT, what I said about you on the fantasy football thread the other day. And I have to be full disclosure here. I said, I want you more active on there. I said, I'd rather have JT hurt me than ignore me. And you know, I th- think the same thing goes for dads, dude. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I like dipping in and out of the thread. You do, yeah. it, it is kind of a punk move. You know, but I think it gives more weight to when I do dip in. You're 100% correct. Because immediately you see, oh, you see, uh, I forget you say to my phone as Jay Titty. You see Jay Titty on there. Ooh, what's he saying? Ooh, who's he zinging, dude? Ooh. Right. It's nice. 
It's nice. Um, all right, so favorite holiday memories. Uh, JT, you got one lined up, or Aaron, do you want to jump in first? What are you guys thinking? That's my favorite holiday memory, just getting the half pipe, holiday skate sessions, especially between Christmas and New Year's, listening to some fucking Rage Against the Machine, dude, and just having a good time. My Be favorite, so it's just like, it's not too crazy, but I can add a fun part at the end now that's real. Um, my dad bought us all Adidas track suits for Christmas. Awesome. And then right when we saw him, we go, we're all wearing them, and we're all going to see a movie together. And my dad was like, no. And we're like, nah, dude. Quit being a bitch, dress up, we're doing this. So we went as a squad looking like, you know, like Jersey mobsters in our, yeah. in our Adidas tracksuits, all matching. We went and saw Sherlock Holmes. And then uh, after the movie, we ran into some childhood friends of mine and their parents. And uh, it was really good seeing them, it was the catching up. I was like 19 at the time. So like the, the son was like living in Bali doing like sustainable farming. Nice. It was like, oh, this is sick. Good to see you guys. We get in the car ride home and my mom's like, I hate that bitch. And I'm like, who are you talking about? She's talking about the mom. Yeah. And I go, why do you why do you dislike her? It was it seemed so random to me. My mom was like, she always fucking brags about her and her husband's sex life. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> and then so the whole way home, me and my brother just kept doing impressions of that lady bragging about. Oh, that's amazing. Getting dude. dicked down in front of my mom, being like, oh, sorry, I'm late, but you know, uh, Mark would just was. <laughs> insatiable and just licking my toes before he made me come numerous times <laughs> rigorous doggy style and my mom was like that's what she would say my mom was like she would say shit like that and we're like, we're like yeah that sucks that is annoying that's amazing that's hilarious dude i love that you guys went in those tracksuits isn't it just nice going to see the christmas movie that's like it's cultural, my favorite thing dude. to do. Yeah, yeah. It, it might be my favorite holiday tradition. Worst Christmas movie we saw. Sherlock Holmes was all right. It was good. It was, but it was Guy Ritchie. Some good action. It's not a great movie, but like afterwards, you were like, yeah, it was. A, I yeah. burned two hours. But the worst one we saw was War Horse. Oh, bro, yep, we did that too. We saw that on Christmas. That yeah. was a fucking horrible Christmas. Bro, movie. very much about the horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, dude. This is about a fucking horse. And a horse isn't a dog. No, no, I can't love a horse like I love a dog. They're I, not I'm just as, not capable. They're not as expressive. Mm -hmm. Like a dog can give you like, you know, maybe 10 different emotions. A horse every time you're like, I don't know what this fucking guy's feeling. Totally. And then like you t you like look at a cowboy who has like weathered hands and you're like, and like he understands the horse. But I'm like, it, that's what it takes. It takes being a cowboy. Like it, it takes not being able to love humans to be able to love a horse. We need the relationship. Yeah. And in that one, it's like seven different people. It's like the horse is Polly. He's like in love with like <laughs> six different people. Exactly, dude. Exactly. But he has like one true love. That kid. The kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron, what's your favorite holiday memory, dude? I mean, when you talk about holiday holiday movies, like I've, I think I, that one year I went and saw The Hobbit like three. I oh, saw it because it was showing in three different formats. And I went by myself and just watched it three different times. I love that. Dude, going to a movie by yourself is great. Dude, Fellowship, I think that was like a Thanksgiving one, actually. But I remember that was amazing, seeing Fellowship. No, it was around Christmas, yeah. Maybe, okay, maybe. Yeah. I remember going to Ocean Ranch, legit theater. Dude, this year, what do we... There's Licorice Pizza, which I actually do want to see. I'm really excited to see that, actually. I, I want to see it. I want to punch the title. I do absolutely want to punch the title in the shoulder on a road trip and, you know, have my parents yell at me and say, stop. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm still punching this. You it's it's like my little it. brother, dude. Yeah. He needs to get punched. It, yeah. I mean, he made a lot of, like... It's a little like twee, I guess. Mm -hmm. Although Paul Thomas Anderson's not really like that, but it is a little bit like, oh, you think you're, you think you're cool? Yeah. And he, you I think was, you're cool with your artsy movie, little brother? Dude, exactly. Come here, dude. Oh, Come do you here, think dude. these two words together describe like adolescence? Oh, you think that's what it is? Dude, you're trying to capture an era of life? Okay, come here, dude. Come here. 
Oh, you want to make it? Dude. You want to make it feel real? Yeah. You want to make it feel? I'll make it feel oh, real. Yeah. Oh, you're too good to make like a conventionally satisfying movie with just really hot A-listers. <laughs> Get hit, dude. Exactly, dude. <laughs> Gonna give you the people's elbow, dude. Um, all right, dude. Let's hop into our topic. Today we're talking about a book that we read. JT and I like to come on, do some sports, dude. And, you know, we did uh, Jeff Perlman's Three Ring Circus previously about the, the Lakers, the 2000 Lakers, Shaq and Kobe years. But now we are reading Jeff Perlman's previous book. I'm not sure if it was his first, but it was a previous book. And it is entitled Boys Will Be Boys, The Glory Days and Party Nights of the Dallas Cowboys Dynasty. I mean, that really nails it. Mm -hmm. That really nails it. It's like, it's, in my opinion... First of all, let's just get this out of the way. Is Jeff Perlman a schmoll? For sure. Yeah. His joke style yeah. is a little cheap. Yep. And then, dude, I, I was telling you, he plays fast and loose with the with representing the games and the performances. Yes. Like, he'll be like, Emmett Smith dominated overtime with four carries for 15 yards and three catches for 24. And I'm like, that's a lot of touches, but... Yeah. I wouldn't quite say those are dominating numbers. No. Like he's averaging less than four yards a carry. Those catches are nice, but you're moving the chains a little bit more there. But I'm like, I don't know if that's quite dominant. It's just it's just like fits into what he wants to say. And then and then it'll be like, and they 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 kept uh Jerry Rice totally in check with like six catches for ninety yards. And I'm like, Yeah, that's like a good that's like a pretty solid I know for Jerry Rice you Probably expect a little more, mm -hmm. but that's not a bad game by any stretch. Not by any stretch, and and, it, and like you're saying, it played into that narrative that he wanted of that cornerback who like was in kind of a no name quarterback as cornerback as far as like all the personalities on this team, mm -hmm. but was actually legit, and he would get the assignment for Rice, uh, which is pretty badass. So it does fit in his narrative, but it's like, yeah, no, dude, six six catches, ninety yards, like bro, it's the yeah, dude's a beast. He's he being well. effective, yeah. Like nobody checks Jerry Rice. Dude. He he's amazing, and this team basically it covers. It starts off with like um, Jerry Jones. They talk about him purchasing the team. I didn't know that he played in Arkansas and was a Razorback. I had no that idea. That was cool. I, that was cool to learn that he was a former player and he was a roommate with Jimmy Johnson. Amazing. So it's like that's incredible history that I had no idea about. Where Jerry Jones goes and buys the franchise from um, I forget the dude's name, but like he wanted to get rid of it. He hated the coach at the time. Who was it? Wasn't Switzer? Switzer came Landry. in like, Landry, who's an iconic coach. Like great look. Wears the fucking like camel trench coat, hat on. Like you just, you, he just looks like a rugged football coach. Seemed pretty dignified too. Yeah, yeah, it, and it wasn't a, by any means like yeah. The the culture of the team under um, what the fuck was his name that you just said? I'm blanking on it. I'm Landry. Landry, very different under Jimmy Johnson of what he would like let dudes get away with. Like Landry was a Christian guy, like Texas values, blah blah blah. And apparently the owner, the former owner, hated him. And he goes, part of your deal to Jerry Jones is like, when you buy the team, you got to fire this guy. And Jerry Jones like thinks he's doing him a favor by like showing up in person at the country club to do it. And he's like, what the fuck? Flew to where he was. Yeah. Why would he do that? Like, and I Missteps. A lot of missteps from Jerry Jones early on. Total missteps. And to your point about Landry and Johnson and like the culture difference, like it, it was like crystallizing that one line where like when it came to drug test, Tom Landry was like, hey, guys, you're getting drug tested, and we don't want to have the kind of locker room where guys are doing drugs. And then Jimmy Johnson would be like, hey, guys, you're getting drug tested, so don't get caught. Yes. It was, you know, he was, like, okay with them. Totally. Being wild as long as it didn't impact the on-the-field stuff. And then Switzer, who came after Johnson, was, like, 
even more Dude, exactly. loosey-goosey. He's like, just do whatever the fuck you want. Yes. And a college coach, and like basically his team was already recruited for him. They mm-hmm. like do kind of this, the thing, same thing from that documentary, The You, which is so great, where they're like, it didn't matter who the coach was. We were going to win that fucking year. Yeah, the Ed like, Reed year when Larry Coker took over. Yeah. So funny, the dude. Team, the team was well-oiled enough to just do But then the parts start to fall It starts to fall apart. A hundred percent. It goes down. And especially, you know, these guys are flying close to the sun. They're partying hard, dude. You're going to get worn out and you're going to make some crazy choices. And really the book opens up with the key figure who, Michael Irvin. Dude, the best. The fact that oh. he's the ma- like the main spiritual, like he's like the spiritual like soul of the whole thing. You know, he's like the fucking heart of the team. He's the heart of the book. I love that because if you would have told me someone was writing a Cowboys book about that era, I would have put Irvin like fifth. Yes. You know what I mean? I would have been like, okay, the main character is going to be like Troy or Emmett. Then I'd be like, okay, maybe Jerry Jones. Then maybe Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. in some order. But Irvin would have been fifth. But no, when you read the book, you're like, no, he is the ultimate cowboy. He is the embodiment of this time period. 100%. As far as glory days or what is it? What the fuck is it called? Uh, party nights and, glo- and glory days. Dude, that's... Irving to a T. The guy partied the fucking hardest. He was the wildest, but then he was the first one in the gym, and he was strong. I like Jeff Roman talking about his, his Irving's game of like he wasn't the quickest guy, but he was very strong. He would outmuscle guys, physical, and, and efficient. Like he just he'd get open. He knew, and he worked his ass off. Yeah, it's it's hard not to love him. I know. Like I, I checked his Wikipedia before I came in, and it's like you know it's littered with a lot of stuff. A yeah. lot of stuff that he. Uh, that went the other way, though, where it seems like he might actually, you know, be innocent, I guess. Mm. But a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then and then you're just like, but you still want to run through a wall every time you hear him talk. 100%. And he led by example. Like, he was literally like, we're going to go party. You guys are going to party with me. And I'm going to show you how to do it. And then when we get in the weight room, fucking lift. He'd, like, yell at guys if they would skip reps. He'd yell at guys for not lifting enough. Like, hated it. We love a hard partying guy who shows up for work on time. A hundred. That's what's more American than that. And on America's team, it's the dream. I mean, and you know, what's big in this book is loyalty. All these guys, they may go fuck around and they're definitely not loyal to their wives, but they go, but to each other and on the squad and in the locker room, they're not really throwing anyone under the bus. Unlike, unlike the fucking Lakers book where like Shaq and Kobe are undercutting each other left and right. I felt like, a lot of guys in this ownership wise, you know, we can get into Jim, Jimmy and Jerry. That's not the same, but in the locker room, seemed like all these guys had each other's backs. Yeah, totally. It was way more like uh, inspiring that way than the Lakers book. Like you read the Lakers mm-hmm. book and you're like, oh, these guys are kind of shitty. And these guys are shitty behaviorally, but they they care about the team and and it feels real. Mm-hmm. It, it made, it, it gave me like, a, I was like, all right, our football players cooler than basketball players bro this is i think so dude i think so too i think so i think these two books kind of they made they crystallized that for me yeah like basketball players are stars they don't wear the helmet um you know football players kind of got to find a way to stand out by like wearing a chain outside of their shoulder pads or like a fucking different cleats or something like that but like uh clay thompson told me about that he had a great name for it he's like just finding ways to stand out um, to get their fame. But like, uh, I don't think it's even about that. I think it's just about these guys not wanting to get their spots blown up. They literally get something called the White House, which is amazing. And we're jumping around the book a little bit. But uh, 
It's called the White House, right? Like right next to the like yeah. Jerry's World. But but you but, but real quick before we hop into that, what yeah. do you think is like? What is it that makes football players cooler than basketball players? Is it the culture of the sport? I agree with you. It's that there's only five guys in basketball, and everyone sees your face. Yeah, and it's like more personality oriented. But is there like, is that is that it, or is there something else, like woven into how the sports are played that make football players just better teammates and cooler guys? Yeah, dude, I think it is. It's got to be come down to the sport. Like you're truly going to battle. You're literally with a group of men on your side, pushing another group of men away together or vice versa. And I think because you're doing it in basketball. It's more army. Yeah. It's more like military. Yeah. Like you're in the trenches, dude. They literally have the trenches. They're on the front line. Like everyone respects like the left tackle. Everyone respects the linemen a lot. Which is a thankless job. 100%. Like you're, even when Emmett got into the Hall of Fame, and I, I know Emmett has his personality problems in this book, but they're not that bad compared to the, the Lakers book. Like no. they're like, he's an egomaniac, but there's not really that many stories to support it. It's more just like, I guess that became like his affect. But at no point did I really think he was like toxic to the team. Yeah. Not the way like Kobe was to the Lakers. Totally. And then, totally. And he, he plays through injuries. Like Emmett gets fucked up and like he like breaks a rib, and they're talking about how like, I forget who it was. Maybe it was against the Giants or something. And they say like LT was like saying that Emmett was faking it. And like he'd get tackled and he'd be like, <laughs> like at the bottom of the pile, like, <laughs> and LT was like, man, he's really hammering it up over there. That's like, awesome. Trying to go for it. And they're like, no, dude, they're like, it had total, you know, rib damage. But when, when Emmett at the Hall of Fame thanks Moose Johnson, his fullback, like you're never going to get credit as a fullback. No. There's going to be like diehard football fans who will watch like Lorenzo Neal YouTube highlights of his blocks which is something i like to do <laughs> and then but you're not gonna like his job is pure sacrifice i think that yeah. must bleed into the and there's guys like that in basketball who are like rebounders or just set screens and stuff mm -hmm. but i don't know it just doesn't seem to have the same level of sacrifice built into it that that football does totally and guys wanted to do that and then just like the fact that you prep an entire week you're in the weight room you're doing double days you're wearing all that gear so i truly feel like it's such hard work that when they let off steam, they really let off steam. Yeah. And then to, they really party hard. Yeah, get to the white room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, they get like a, uh, they get a fucking, one of my favorite things is Michael Irvin finds out there's like a, a, a charity basketball team for the Cowboys in the off season. And he finds out who's in charge of it. And he literally ousts his way. He goes, no, I'm taking over. <laughs> no. And I think he like threatens them. No, they fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fist fight for control of the team. It's like so primal. And then it just like in the book, it's like Michael Irvin won the fight and the team was his after that. Yes. Like Irvin, like a conquering, like Angus Khan invader just comes in. He's like, yo, this is my team. The other guy's like, no, it's not. He's like, all right, let's just scrap for it then. Um, yeah, amazing. And then the guy, other guy's like, okay, I guess I just have to fight now. Mm -hmm, he Dude, understood. It's amazing. And like, it's not like he's like some wimp. He's like the fucking linebacker of the football team. No, and Irvin just like takes him down. And Irvin's a wide receiver. Yeah. And he, but he, you truly believe he could beat anyone's ass on the team. I did like that they said that they're like, he put up big numbers in the weight room. Like Irvin was truly like a, a different breed. And you know what I love about him too? He's like, does the classic thing that every American wants where he's like, I'm going to buy my mom a house. And he buys his mom a house. Like Elvis did that, dude. Like fucking Maradona. Well, tell like, us that to her when he's like the, the second youngest of like nine kids, but he's the most like determined and the most physically gifted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's got, he's just got, he's tenacious. And he just tells his mom, like right after his dad dies, he's like, I'm gonna get you out of this. I'm gonna buy you a house. And then he does it. Motivated, dude. And then he does it, Motiv dude. But also stressed out, dude. But dude, he gets on. The best part is, 
literally the the Cowboys jet for the franchise. You know, they charter planes to American Airlines. There's a part where literally Jerry Jones requests a book of all the flight attendants and they pick out all the most attractive flight attendants that will work only on their chartered flights, like for availability. Unbelievable right there. Like th- someone finds out about that today, like, dude, it, I mean, it's there, but nothing, there's no repercussions or anything. I guess it's like not against the rules, but it's like still crazy. It was insane. Yeah, like that's nuts. But then when Irving literally wrestles that dude and wins the the um, uh, charity basketball team, like that's technically not involved. It's all Cowboy players, but it's not like part of the Cowboys franchise. Like Jerry Jones isn't really involved in it. So they'd get private jets, and this is for charity. They would have outrageous bills. They'd go there to like raise money, and they'd be like, nope, we each need a room. Like, we need to pay us 5K. And like, some people would cancel and be like, we don't have that budget. They'd like, walk out. Yeah, and they wouldn't show up, so they'd be assholes. Irving literally punches a ref during one of those games, like just like a teacher, volunteer ref. He's like, fuck you, dude. Like, well, he's on a lot dude. of cocaine. <laughs> dude, yeah, exactly, bro. Yeah, let's talk about the cocaine, dude. There's some cocaine being used. I just surprised all their hearts held up. Dude, I know. I know, man. You're, they're getting after, and they're big guys. Like Nate Newton, we were just looking at his stats, and I was like, 6'3", 318. We're like, no, he's bigger than that. No, he was like, that was like when they used to list Jerome Bettis at like 240, and everyone knew he was 300 pounds. Yes. Or Luka Doncic. They, lay, they list him at like 230, and I just found out he came in both last seasons at 260. No, what, dude, how much did, real quick, tangentially, did um, Zion come in at, like, after his injury? I mean, he must be at, like, 340 or something like yeah, that. He dude. looks gigantic. Especially with his game and that body. Like, you can't be have that extra weight, dude. No, he needs to be Knees springy. won't last. Very scary. He's catching a lot of justifiable heat for it. Hey, and, you know, you, you don't play basketball to get in shape. You get in shape to play basketball. And I think that's something that these Cowboys did. They all fucking went hard. They went hard during training camp. They went hard in practice. They pl- practiced hard under... And real quick, let's talk about just Jimmy Johnson's coaching style and how mm-hmm. he's a huge psychopath. Yeah. Um, the stuff that he did to the kicker, where he's literally like, there's a field goal kicker, and he like thought he was dicking around at practice or something. He's like, if you don't hit this field goal, I'm going to fire your ass. And the whole team's like, whoa. And fucking... Luckily, he like hits the field goal in practice and makes it. But it was, but Jimmy was doing that as a wake up call for everyone else to be like trying to put the fear into everyone. Yeah, he led by fear for sure. And and it was tough too because it was a little piecemeal. Because back to loyalty, if you were his, you guys, Miami, you, he loved you, and he, you could get away with a lot. Like Irving would could get away with murder. Like he was never on the chopping block. You know, Emmett obviously not a you guy, but like he's not going to go. But Troy Aikman early on in his career actually was not on Jimmy's favorite list. Like he kind of didn't want to play Aikman. Do you remember that? Totally. Well, I, I think with Jimmy Johnson, it's like, you know, he's going to be really effective for like three years, but then he's just going to wear everybody out. Like he, yeah. you can't, I just think it's impossible to live under that level of stress that he was trying to kind of, uh, put on everyone. But, uh, yeah, his like, it's crazy too. Like he's so successful, but a lot of his success is like he wanted to fuck things up and then he wasn't able to fuck things up mm-hmm. and they worked out the way they were supposed to almost in spite of him. Cause he's got like his Miami quarterback as the backup. Who's good. And he's like, this is my guy. But everyone in the world knows Aikman is like just several cuts above that dude. Yeah. And then Johnson doesn't want to ride with Aikman, but then it's like, it's almost beyond his control at some point. Like it just, everyone's like, dude, you gotta like, it's just, he's so much better. You got to go with him. Yeah. And then you're like, so is this guy a genius or is he just like, or did he just, 
Well, he did make a lot of genius moves, though. He does. He, he is a genius, but it's so crazy how many times even these genius coaches come close to like just blowing up their whole situation. Totally. He did, and this is what's controversial, the, probably the best trade of all in like the history of the NFL. The Herschel Walker trade. Yeah. What did he get for that? Like five draft picks, and I think like like maybe like two firsts and like two seconds, maybe even like three firsts. Just insane. Like, and value. bold. Like that was the only, like this was a losing team at this point. It's why the franchise got sold. It's why the former coach got fired. Jerry Jones brings in Jimmy Johnson and lets him do kind of what he wants. Um, even though Jerry tried to take credit for that trade, he's like, yeah, we did it. But it was like all, it was for sure all Jimmy Johnson. Like, Well, I mean, that's really what created the, the, the uh, failure of the Cowboys for like the next 15 years after this team was that Jerry Jones made himself GM. And we used to laugh Bro. about him when we'd see him on Hard Knocks because you'd watch like Wade Phillips like in the draft room just like sipping a Dr. Pepper and Jerry Jones like, yeah, we're going to go with Felix Jones. Dude, yes. And it's so like the ego involved in these guys at the top is like, dude, you have your team, you have your thing, like just go let it be successful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like how much credit do you need? Yeah. But a lot. I know he obviously needs a lot. It's like get, get out of your own way. It's insane, dude. And like literally it broke up their relationship. Like neither of those guys wanted to budge. And then Jerry's like, they're at parties. He's like talk. He's like kind of sandbagging them to other people. Oh yeah. The dinner party where yeah. he rolls up and is like disrespectful to Jimmy's like dinner guests. Yeah. And I think Jimmy gets in his face. Yeah. I think so. Which I liked that he did it in his face, but it's su super insane by Jerry to do that. It's crazy. It's like the fragile egos of these like men, like manly men you think involved in football, but now they're just... Little boys inside. <laughs> they just want to be special. There's Exactly. Everyone just wants to be special. And dude, uh, so maybe let's go down by, by some players a little bit. Because he kind of breaks up. Perlman kind of breaks up the book by players. And, um, you know, we've obviously talked a little bit about Irvin. Um, I wanted to look at, I mean, you've got a beastly move. you got, so Troy Aikman, I didn't know a lot about Troy Aikman. Obviously, you know that I love that he's 6'4", because I love height, dude. I love that he's got this rocket arm. Um, and a serviceable dude, like uh, not too crazy good, but he went to where he's from, like the South, right? From the South. But then went to Stanford. Oh, no, went to UCLA. Went to Oklahoma first for Barry Switzer because Barry right. Switzer was like, yo, we're not going to, they were running the wishbone. So just like running 90% of the time. And then uh, never switched the offense for Aikman. So Aikman took off. But to Barry Switzer's credit, he worked hard to get him a good landing spot. Yeah. Goes to UCLA, turns them around, makes them like, you know, 10 win team. Mm -hmm. And everyone's just like, dude, this guy's a stud. Yep. And a great guy. Great dude. Like talking about all the partying and stuff, like, uh, you know, all these guys are, they're doing blow. They're going to the White House, which we mentioned, which was like literally, they used to have like a cowboy like diner um, where like everyone would take their wives there for lunch. But then at dinner time or like after practice, they would all meet, you know, the mistresses there. But it kind of got blown up where it was like other people would show up. And so it kind of like... It was too public. People knew about it. Yes. So they had to deal with too much like uh, visibility. Yep. And so they buy like an adjacent house. Like an, they all chip in and like get an adjacent house next door and uh, or like kind of close to the facilities. And they'd give their neighbors like really lavish gifts. So they'd keep everything DL and, you know, just have girls through there. And what's Nate Newton's quote about it? Dude, I got it right here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to have to say some crass things. But uh, so it, it gets public. Like their their White House becomes known by the media, and like some media people won't report on it because they're you know chummy, and then other guys just can't help the getting those salacious headlines. So this is what Nate Newton says: We've got a little place over here where we're running some whores in and out, trying to be responsible, and we're criticized for that too. 
mind, they almost deserve to be commended for it. Like, yeah. no, we bought a house. We all chipped in. We're working together. We're keeping the visibility low. Everyone's handling their business discreetly. I really don't understand where, where you guys are coming from with yeah. this, you know, bizarre morality. So hilarious. Dude, it's unreal. And I guess like, yeah, it's his own narrative where like maybe the media is tough because the, uh, the expectation for that team is so high. Like maybe that's like towards 95 or whatever mm -hmm. where like, you know, they started losing a little bit. They've got... Um, oh, that's true too. Like if they're going nine and seven instead of 12 and four. Yeah. It's like, all right, well now we got to talk about this. Totally. But guess what? If you're just like Al Davis says, if you're just winning, baby, it just solves win. everything, which is a sick thing, but it's just true. Um, but yeah, Troy. And then dude, you know what I couldn't believe? Was fucking who's that guy that everyone kind of kind of hates? He's the ESPN. He's on ESPN now, I think. Um, he wrote the book about Troy Aikman and tried to say that. Oh, he, Bayless, Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless comes out like making um, some outlandish claims and like really has no proof. Where he's like, "Oh, Troy Aikman is gay," mm -hmm. which is like, you know, obviously not. Like this is in the '90s. Like it's this, that's a different era. Like, and also if Troy Aikman is gay, it doesn't matter now. But it would be his own story to come out in his own time. You should never do that as an author and be like, I found out someone's gay. Here it is. It's like totally sandbagging them to sell books. Yeah. Like beyond the, the uh, like it doesn't matter, but like if he just hears a rumor and then he's like, oh, I'll print this because it'll sell books. And it did. Yeah. And he, he's just not, <laughs> he's not a very ethical person. Totally. And then you hear, but that's great. Like you hear Irvin talk and he's like, look, Troy got his fair share. Like he did it in a different style, but he did. And like he'd date movies, like he'd date country Western stars. He'd like, you know, there's a great thing where, like, right when he got drafted, he's kind of coming out of a country western bar in his tight jeans and his tight shirt. I love, like, when he talked about him, like, that's picture him all jacked. And he's like, man, I need a ride home. And there's these girls on a bachelorette party. And he's like, hey, can I get a ride? And, like, gets in a limo with a bunch of girls. I'm like, oh, my God, Troy Aikman. It is funny. Like, I grade him on, like, a curve where I'm like, he does date a lot, but he seems to not get into any trouble and kind of handle everything in, like, a pretty straightforward way. So I'm like, for who he was and the time he was that person – I'm like, he could have been, I just give him respect for like not getting in trouble. Yeah. It's kind of like LeBron too, where you're just like, LeBron can be annoying and like, you know, like kicking those people off the game for like talking shit. Totally. Like he'll do shit like that where you're like, dude, come on, don't be like a whiner. Like you're the one of the greatest players ever, but really he's not doing anything. Mm -mm. The, he's, he's handling his personal life in a totally responsible and, uh, thoughtful way yes like we're being nitpicky when we're getting after lebron for that or you know aikman for and he got banged up early in his career troy aikman oh dude, dude the concussions that guy got bro he's i mean he would be playing in games and not know what day of the week it was yeah insanity and dude. he's tough he's really tough yeah you get that from him. like all of his linemen all the defenders are like you cannot say that troy's not tough like he had games where he was just getting his fucking ass mm -hmm. rocked mm -hmm. and he'd hang in there like he that was a great quote he was never afraid to take a hit He'd stand in the pocket till the last second, mm -hmm. deliver that ball exactly. accurately to Jay Novacek. Bro, the tight end. What a great Novacek, guy. Novacek, dude. You got to love Novacek. I, it just made me say, I think we were talking about this the other day, we're like, tight ends were always like, are always relevant. They're always mismatches. They're freaks. Like in any era of the NFL now, obviously now we're passing so much. You got Kelsey's, you got um, even like when Jimmy Graham was amazing or a, um, who's the fucking dude from the Falcons and the Chiefs? Tony Gonzalez. Gonzalez yeah. Well, he took it next level. He kind of created this new standard where these were like more passing threats than blockers. Mm -hmm. But Jay Novacek does seem like he was kind of a precursor to that too because he's yeah. not really, he's 6'4", 230. He's not like a, uh, you know, going to dominate people on the blocks the way like, you know, I don't know. Who's a Gronk like, can. Like a Gronk yeah. is like, what, 260, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's huge. That's 30 pounds are huge. And, uh, but yeah, it's, 
pretty cool. Just, you just tight ends are just always cool. A wily tight end's my favorite. Like a Kittle, they're like, always my favorite players. Them and safeties. That's what I mean. Like, always dude, my favorite. And dude, I think it's just because there's these massive guys. They're lo- going back to like what's cool. And basketball players are obviously big, tall, large men. But it's like the fact that these guys are so buff, and that they just fucking move each other around. And then when they're drinking a beer, and I'm like, this is just so cool. <laughs> And they're just so graceful. Yeah. Like Antonio Gates is six four, like two sixty, and he he's running around with like wide receiver agility and and mm-hmm. precision. You're just like, dude, it's fucking cool, man. It's insane. And then dude. you know they catch the touchdown and they dunk the ball, and then you're like, yeah, this guy could dunk. And it all looks like nothing. Then you like go out to a field and you're like, everything is so big. Tough. It's like, it's amazing, dude. What? Spe- what's up? Where were you going to go? Because I think we're going the same place. Were you going to go to Charles Haley? Of course. Yes. I was like, when are we going to get to Haley, dude? Let's get dude. to Haley, dude. I'm like, bro. Because we were talking about tough and big, large men. And But the thing about Haley is he's tough and he's a bully, but he'll cave. Like, he'll... he'll there's guys who can put him in his place. So he's a huge pervert. He masturbates. Oh, bro, yes. He masturbates in film sessions. He has his dick out all the time and, like, makes people look at it and does, like, just incredibly like perverted thing especially considering if you you know it's a workplace yeah and then he um and he just talks shit like i'll just go up to people like you don't belong here you're a bitch like just incessant i mean he's, he's out of his mind he's 100 percent out of his mind you know he's probably bipolar or something mm-hmm. like that and then uh yeah and i'm bipolar too so i'm not talking trash i'm bipolar people but then uh yeah the, he, he's such a bully pervert that but it's it's the right works work office for him yes we're like he's, he's got guys there who will stand up to him totally. so like eight times in the book it's like he was picking on this quiet old lineman who finally shoved his head through a window and knocked him unconscious and after that Haley backed off yeah exactly and it's so funny because you're like he's bullying another lineman but you're like this lineman's 300 pounds 320 pounds so like he can stand up for himself it's mental too right he yes. just doesn't perceive them as being able to do that and he'll just go after you if he thinks you won't stand up for yourself totally but dude. more often than not at least the stories in this book the guys do stand up for themselves they do and and the thing was what got him on the team was jimmy johnson just wanted to fucking win and get guys who were willing to win in the niners because charles haley was on the niners and he was good he was a pro bowler but he was like a locker room disaster right he'd literally flicking his penis at like literally there's a quote in the book where they'd go he'd be stroking his penis in front of everyone and jeff perlman described it he's like it's a huge massive penis that he has and he's a large massive man so i have no problem believing that and one teammate is a quote from a teammate he'd go yeah he'd be stroking it a lot sometimes it would reach the point of ejaculation and i'm like dude that's next level, bro. Yeah. I mean, you're already dick out. That's horrible. Masturbating. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then you're coming. It's like, bro, <laughs> I can't even, I can't dude, even wrap dude. my brain around that. Yes. I almost think the level of absurdity of it probably normalized it to the team. Bro. Yeah. Where, so then when you see his dick out, you're just like, oh, well that's like low key compared to what he could be doing. Totally. Yeah. He gets away. Like he goes so far one direction that if it's just his penis out, like flicking around or putting it on someone's no, that's shoulder a nice and day at the him. office. Yeah. If he's not you know, busting, you're like, oh, I can handle this. Charles. Totally. That's you at like a three. Totally. But there's the one moment what gets him finally kicked off the Niners and brings him to Dallas. Um, and their defensive line is what made their team so successful because like it was basically all pro, but like not all pro bowlers, but all like there was no drop off when they did a defensive shift. Like every guy was They're legit. Studs. And um, he fucking, they lose a game, like a playoff game. The Niners lose a game when they were really good. And uh, Charles Haley like blamed it on um, Steve Young. And in a locker room, like, is losing it and literally goes after and tries to attack Steve Young. And, like, he's, like, in a epi- having an episode. And they, the team they lost to had Ronnie Lott. Who I think he was playing for the Raiders at the time. Yeah. And he literally, the Maybe coaching the staff runs. I think you're right. And he runs across. 
And Niners guys are in the Raiders locker room. They're like, well, what the fuck's going on? They're like, Ronnie, we need you. We need you. And as soon as Ronnie Locke comes in there, Charles Haley respects him so much. He just starts crying. He's like, oh, he just looks at him and starts crying. Yeah. Well, Ronnie Lott, like toughest DB ever, kept part of his finger off to stay in a game. I think he just commanded respect. And that's what I like about football too. There's like a hierarchy of respect. And like, if you're Michael Irvin, if you're Ronnie Lott, mm -hmm. like guys will follow you. And totally. then with the Lakers, there was no leadership. Mm -hmm. Mostly because Kobe just was like, didn't know how to do it. And maybe he got better at it as, in his next three-peat. But it, I did like that about football where it did seem like it was like men leading men. Totally. And then with guys kicking, <laughs> the other thing I liked is with guys kicking Haley's ass. You're like, yeah, in this environment, their violence works. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. Like, you know, people are like, violence just begets more violence. It's like, no, this guy needs to get hit. He gets hit and then he, he yes. behaves better. Yeah, I do correct. And I was like, I was like, nice, dude. <laughs> There's literally no other way, dude. Otherwise, he's going to like literally jizz all over the locker no, room. You can't like, be honest with Charles Haley and be like, hey, man, it's really affecting me when you talk to me like that. Or like, you picture like Richie Incognito. Yeah. Like, you can't, they only respond to strength. Yes. They don't yes. understand nuance or like, uh, transparency that doesn't mean shit to fucking Richie Incognito totally dude a hundred percent and Charles Haley was like and I kind of do give him credit for this like he'd call out Jerry Jones like uh, Troy got a big contract and then he held out on Emmett Smith Emmett Smith had to hold out and it's like he's like basically calling him out like dude you're not paying the black you'll play the white player but not your black player who's really good mm -hmm. and so he He's a smart dude, like in, in tone, like just basically calling it how he sees it. Well, no, sometimes it takes like a madman like that to speak the truth, to say like, you know, what what's really going on because they're just so off the res. They're just totally. Like, they're like, look, I'll just say anything. Yeah. I'll no. just, whatever comes to my mind, I'm going to spit out. Yeah. I'd prefer to say it with my penis out, but I will say it with my pants on. And with him too, it's like once you stop being good, you almost cost yourself like three years of employment. Totally. Because it's like, all right, well, if you're not going to get 10 sacks a year, we're not putting up with yes. the mayhem. Like, you got to be – that's why, I, like, even in acting, I'm like, I couldn't be method because that puts too much pressure on your performance. Like, mm -hmm. if I slow down set by, like, an hour because I don't want to come out of my trailer because I don't feel, like, authentic in the moment, and then I come out and I suck in that scene. Oh, bro. Bro, yeah, dude. Everyone's like, <laughs> grips are out there sweating, dude. Bat they're changing batteries. They're like, like for ladders. this. Like, you have to be Joaquin Phoenix. Totally. To, or Jeremy Strong to get away with that. Like, you got to be really, really good. Yes. And Haley was for a while, but then he, you know. And then the partying slowed all these guys down. 100%. And it's just the beauty. And, and the thing is, I mean, that 92 team is probably the best team of the Jimmy Johnson teams. Like, the, what years was it? Like, 92... There's a one-year gap where the Niners win. I think it's 92, 93, and 95. Yes, yes. I think. And they beat the Steelers in 95. Yes. Because Steelers had no QB. Who was their QB then? Neil O'Donnell. And he threw, like, two bad picks. Both to the same Oh, guy. that's a great moment in the book where, like, they talk about this who guy who might not even have been on the team, like that cornerback, but he was suiting and up. And had a really hard year. Yes. Like, uh lost a child and yeah really deserved to have that moment in the sun yeah and it was like almost like god looked down upon him and was like you will catch these balls because the picks were like egregious weren't they like literally Real like bad straight ones. to him yeah yeah um i was what was I gonna, oh yeah but weirdest guy in the book even weirder than charles haley in a way <laughs> not in terms of behavior but yes. like in terms of understanding like i charles haley's insane but i kind of like can understand where his brain's like going misfiring or whatever mm -hmm. herschel walker bro yes very interesting guy who does have like a medical diagnosis for disassociative personality mm -hmm. but which is rare but he has that diagnosis and that's why he can like believe he's like 
I don't know, all these different things that he does. Mm -hmm. But what, hard guy to understand totally. and to relate to. Like, just, just what locker room could he fit in? None. Like, none. Like, he's not... He, and, like, I remember first reading it, and I was like, oh, he just doesn't have, like, what we perceive as football interests. Like, he likes to, I don't know, like, build model airplanes. Or, like, yeah. But then he, he does say, like, the DID um, diagnosis there, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then, like, later in his life and, like, these, like, rallies that he's holding and, like, he's just making insane decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, interesting dude, but a, what an athlete. Oh, yeah. The fucking guy, dude. Machine. Total beast. And not even that big. No, what is he, like 200, 210? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, uh, I mean, he fought professional MMA at like 50 and won. He wasn't fighting like, you know, like a UFC champ, but, you know, professional organization, and he's beating the hell out of some dude. Yeah, and you're doing taking hits at 50. You're a freaking beast, dude. And, I mean, those are basically the main players I want to talk about. Um, we didn't talk too much Emmett, but he's just a beast, like not the fastest guy, but just tough. Ran really the ball tough. hard. Um, my favorite running back from that era was like, is always comparisons like Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. Um, very different styles. Barry Sanders, obviously, way more fun to watch. Yeah, I like Barry Sanders more, which mm -hmm. is more dynamic. And I think if he had the O line that Emmett had, I mean, I think Emmett was well suited for the team he was on, but mm -hmm. I really do think if Barry had been on that team, it would have been like a couple 2,000 yard seasons. Yeah. Well, I, yes. I mean, he averaged like six yards a carry when he's getting the ball. 35 times a game. And they're stacking the box and they know that they're running. Yeah. Wait, off topic, but football related. What did you think about the Patriots game on Monday? Ridiculous. The quarterback went two of three. Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Like, that's just Bill Belichick being like, I have an opportunity here to show everybody why I'm the most legendary coach of all time and I'm not going to mess it up. I know. It's, it's his answer to Tom, dude. It's insane, bro. And the Bills have a formidable defense that it was in buffalo they should have won that game i i pick games every week with my brother i picked the bills in that game and it's like they didn't lose by much no and they had chances what? to win but that was insane bro they just ran all over them i love the ego from belichick it's nice a lot of ego he's such a curmudgeon too he just sits there in his cut off hoodie just he's like we beat the shit out of you i came up with a game plan I that know, was dude. so basic but no one had ever thought about it we're just gonna beat the shit out of you it, dude and it's, it's demoralizing it is the, yeah you could see those guys getting demoralized like josh allen's like eyes were like what's going on dude? no no one wants to lose like that like you humiliate the other team mm -hmm. like you lost to a team that only passed it three times and then the defensive players were in their press conference and they walked out because the reporter kind of phrased it bad he was like are you humiliated yeah dude yeah of course they fucking of course they are me? <clears throat> it's embarrassing to stop the run. If you can't stop the run, you will lose. It's he just, it's like literally, division rivals. he did like JV football against them. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. It was a JV football game. Yeah, he went like 1920s on him. Mm -hmm. Not fun to watch, but it, but when they cut to Belichick, just seeing him. It's so amazing. Dude, and Mac Jones just, don't, just don't do anything. Just don't fuck up, man. Just don't turn the ball yeah, over. Yeah, you're getting too much credit for yeah, how bro, good you, you don't are. deserve. We're going to right size you. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, dude, that's pretty much it, dude. That's a good rundown. I'd recommend this book to, to anyone. It was a super fun read, dude. Amazing characters. And the fact that Michael Irvin, you read what he does. He does insane things. It opens up. He literally stabs his teammate in the neck with a set of sitters. Still, he, still my guy. And you still love him. He's on TV now. And they say, and he say in the book, his Hall of Fame speech, he just came from the heart. And that really is what, what turned things around for him. He's got a ton of heart. I mean, dude, I... I 
I was talking about it, like the speech he gives at the U when he comes back and talks to the players. You can watch it on Bro, YouTube. Yes. You watch that, you want to run through a fucking wall after you hear it. You show me that three times. When we go back to your house after partying, you go, all right, dude, let's settle in. Let's watch Irving's speech and then we'll go to bed. Pure passion. It's the best. He dude. respects, I'm talking to my Michael Irvin voice now. He respects the game exactly. of football. Football matters. Yeah, exactly. So matter. And then you're like, yeah. The letter on the side of your helmet. Earn it, do it justice. Did he like? Yeah, so when you see the guys who made it what it is, yeah. you got something to give them. Yeah. And you're like, dude, fuck, man. I gotta give, I gotta like do more so I can tell my dad I honored our name. You do it 100%. Bro, I wanna like work at an enterprise rent a car and be like, we are gonna get everyone. It's the holiday season and people got places to be. You wanna Mid-size. be in a minivan? We'll find you a minivan. <laughs> that is my job. To put you in a car you feel comfortable in so you can drive safely with your family. If I find out someone smokes a cigarette in one of these cars, I'm going to break the fucking neck. (laughs) Yeah, he just beats up the manager to take his job because his manager doesn't wear the shirt with enough pride. (laughs) Exactly, dude. When you put on your Enterprise shirt, you wear wear with pride. You think about all the Enterprise people who have come before you who have worn that shirt, who have honored what it means. You're like, yeah, fuck, dude. What is Enterprise? We pick you up. <laughs> we pick each other up. <laughs> dude, when he gets in that bellowing voice, yeah. dude. He's a badass. He's a total He's badass. He's just a quintessential badass. All right, dude, let's fucking, you got to bone out of here. Let's just do a few quick cues and then bone out. Is that chill? I'm good, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got All right, sick minutes. as hell, dude. Um, all right, dude. Strider, just want to give a quick shout out to my boy Dorsey. I told him about the pod a long time ago, and we bond over it every now and then. Always fantastic conversation pieces. I have a question I'm sure uh, we both would ask you. What are your top five beers? Not by brand, but by location, i.e. airport beers. Chill- oh, okay. Uh, this is from Matt. So what are your fi- favorite places to enjoy a beer, like the shower beer? I mean, dude, I think Bonfire's up there, dude. I think cracking open a, a nice IPA after work, so a hard day's work That's beer. my number one. It's just on your couch after like a good hard day. Exactly. Like you put in the hours, you, you you sweat at work, and then you come home and you pop that beer. Totally. And what more at is your, in tune? At your home. Yes. You know what I mean? And then... If I'm a cowboy, I pop that beer, I do that Coke, and then I cheat on my wife. If I'm a night... <laughs> and it's just nice, just earning it like that, you know? Because I had a nice day, I recovered a fumble. <laughs> I know, you feel so bad for the guys who don't dude. cheat on their wives. And there's like a nice guy, sorry to go back to the book, but like the dude who gets fired because he falls asleep in the film room and he's like the most stand-up guy on the mm-hmm. team. And Jimmy Johnson's just like, policy, you're out. And everyone's like, fuck. And he man. was tired because his wife had just had a couple kids, mm-hmm. right? He had mm-hmm. a newborn. Yep, and he was taking care of her and the kid was like sick. Now that's, that's when you're with Jimmy Johnson, you're like, bro, you're like, do yeah. you know this dude's livelihood? Like, uh, have some context for these things. Exactly, bro. No, Jimmy John, not cool in those situations. Not chill, dude. Dude, oh. second favorite beer is when I walk into a party and I know maybe 20% of the people there, so I'm not like fully like comfortable oh. and then someone goes hey man you want a beer and they hand it to you and you pop and you're like and you take that first sip and you're like i'm good that's such a good fucking call dude you just settle into it so nice uh, another good one is doing stand-up your post set beer mm-hmm. very comforting like ah, i can like because you're nervous going before and then like afterwards you're like ah, i can just chill that's a nice one it's nice sporting event when oh, someone comes yeah. back, you don't leave, but someone comes back from a food run and they go, hey, man, got you a beer. Totally. And you're just like, oh, yeah. 
And then, of course, the shotgun with the boys. When you all just get together at an event, bachelor party, whatever, dude. I'm never good at it. It always burns my throat because it's cold, but it's just great. It is nice because it almost feels like no one was planning it. Yep. You know, everyone's just like, hey, we're going to see each other. But then you get that excitement when you make eye contact and you're like, we got to do something. Exactly. It's shotgun. Shotgun. Shotgun time. You're doing it, dude. And there's always the dude it. who's like, got the key. Hold on. Let me see. Dude, find that little air bubble. And that I can get in it without wasting beer. I've never been good at that. No. If it, I'm doing it, I'm going to cut my finger. Same. It's I better be, be outside. Yeah, I'm not a pro. Good fucking call. All right, dude. That's a fire question, Matt. Thank you. And shout out to your boy, Dorsey. Love getting shout outs for the fucking boys on the pod, dude. Strider, what up? I play bass guitar and I rip my bong. I love these things, but I want to love the love of a woman too. Is there any way I could present myself to make myself desirable to a potential GF? I have a small penis too, FYI. Cameron. I'm not hearing anything in that description that makes you not appealing i wouldn't lead with it like that's cool you told us yeah but on your first date i wouldn't be like yo i like to play the bass and smoke pot for sure i would talk about like why you love music and then mm -hmm. why you love chilling like the results of those things and then as you get to know her she'll find that stuff out yeah and yeah definitely you know you don't want weed to be the primary thing around your personality you don't want it to be your personality exactly so you know rip your bong whatever that's chill in your own time but you know and look dude as cool as your dank gf is no significant other wants someone getting too drunk or high all the time. You got to fucking yeah. be present. Um, so I'd say other than that, maybe if you're ripping your bong too much, don't rip it as hard. But honestly, rip on the bass. You're passionate about it. Talk about your passions like JT said. So I'd, I'd say that. Be yourself, dude. And, and be freaking uh, sober. Don't show up high on a date because one time JT showed up high on a date and he bought himself two ice creams. Yeah, I kind of freaked her out. And I told her when we went for a walk that I'd been getting in a lot of fights at that time because I think I was angry at my dad. <laughs> well, it was your friend. And then when he came home, you're like, hey, bro, you might have just been, Jill told me about it. And like, I could totally see you doing that stuff. And I know where you're coming from, but I think it might have been too much for her. Amazing. I've gotten better at that. But... It, it was beautifully honest. You're the most honest guy I know. Oh, that's it's, the nice best, it's one of your best qualities. Most honest guy I know. But here's the thing. You don't got to show your... Also, what mama don't know, don't hurt her sometimes. Well, I think that's what I've learned too is I used to just dump all the honesty up front and that's like, it feels good, but it's also not really fair to the other person too. Yeah. You got to, you know, deal it out. For sure. And Cameron, yeah. don't tell her that you have a small penis. She'll find out in time and that's fine, but she'll love you by that time. Hopefully. You can tell her too. Dude, honestly, just, you know, focus on being connected with her. Take your time too. You don't have to rush into it and be like, here's my small penis. Like you could... You know, as you guys get to know each other and the, the tension builds up just from liking one another, I think all that stuff will work itself out. Agreed. And small penises build families too. You know what I mean? Like they work. And there's fingers in your mouth and there's dildos. Yep. Like, you know what? You know what's sexy? You know what's as sexy as a big dong? Being open-minded. Bro, that's one of the best quotes I've ever heard right there. Honestly, fuck yeah, dude. That just fired me up. Just be open-minded, dude. Whatever it takes, just be there and be like, look, I'm going to help you get there. Mm -hmm. whatever it takes. You get Michael Irvin on it. Approach every situation, open heart, open mind. This is my job, <laughs> and I believe passionately in my job. And I want you to lead me to where you want to go. Sexually. Sexually. We're on a journey. We're on a road together. We're a team right now. Duos. Let's go. I believe in you. I believe in you having a really nice time right now with me. <laughs> and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Morning, afternoon, and night. This is my job. If you say that, she's like, this guy's fucking badass. Oh, hell dude. yeah, bro. Hell yeah. And then right when you guys come, on three. One, two, three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's technically counts as a simultaneous, dude, which is uh, nice. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll do one more than freaking bone out, dude. Shredder, what up, dude? What's your favorite holiday thing to do around the holidays? Mine is to ice skate with my GF, Devin. I think we talked about this. I love the movie with the fam. I love going to the movie with the fam. Um, Christmas Eve dinner is nice. I love it. And I love Christmas tree shopping with my GF. Yeah, and maybe just uh, in the spirit of the book we read, just toss the football around. Go outside. Uh, That's like such harmony for my brother and me. Like when we just are just tossing a ball back and forth, the conversation just flows, dude. And it just feels good to have someone throw something at you and for you to catch it. It's so true. It's so true. I think it it does something to your brain. It puts you in harmony. You're getting fresh air. It's just nice, dude. Then maybe you take it, you just keep notching it up to you. go, Hey man, run a route. Mm-hmm. Hey man, can you hit a crossing pattern real quick? And then pretty soon you're running like deep posts. Yeah. And you go, hey man, Oklahoma drill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to strap up? Yeah, exactly. Dude, should we tell the story about when we used to get breakfast together every Sunday when we were in high school? Oh my God, yeah. And then I was driving us home and I had, I played one year of football. I was fucking awful at it. And, uh, but I loved it. And then uh, I see a bunch of like, this is pretty bad, but I see a bunch of 13 year olds playing pickup football in the park. And then I just go, guys, I got something I want to do. I strap up my pads and I go out there with the kids and uh, I just start yelling at them. I start calling out routes. I'm like, hot route, hot route. I'm like, D-Bore 40. I'm like, three gap, three gap. Just nonsense. And then uh, the kids are like, dude, just get out of here, man. I'm like, run the play. Don't let me mess you up. Run your play. And they say, hike. I pick it. And then I start returning for a touchdown. One of the 13-year-olds tackled me. Yeah. Took me down by the neck. It was so funny. And then your brother, Brave Chris, kid. Chris was hilarious. He was in there and like he had this poofy hair and he ran full speed. And I just remember me and Brooks were watching and like your brother's hair bouncing. And like he was joking. I was like, leave my brother alone. Because like this little kid tackled you. It was hilarious. And then he dude. slipped in the mud. The kid sidestepped him and my brother oh, went down yeah. in the mud. It was amazing. That 13 year old's probably, I don't know, he's super badass now. He's like 28 and he's probably just a beast. Oh, dude. dude he probably knows everything about crypto. Probably just, he's probably already got past vaping. He's like, I don't have to do it anymore. Whoa. You know, he's legit. He, yeah, he's probably got a girlfriend. If you're listening to this, touch base with me because, uh, yeah, I'd like to see you again. Yeah. I'd like to shake your hand. And the best part is you had, did you mention that you had your shoulder pads and helmet on when you were doing yeah, that? Yeah, I was fully decked yeah. out. I look sick. <laughs> also, what we sick. did too, we was we, after breakfast sometimes, because there was a bunch of beers in the back of your truck, because we'd like, I don't know why, we, we wouldn't drink and drive, but we'd like just throw beers in the back. It was from of like the, 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 the party truck. before or something. Yeah. And um, fucking, but we would show up, at, we would doorbell ditch, but instead of doorbell ditching, we'd, your brother would pass out on someone's like just fall down face down on their lawn and we'd put a bunch of beers around your brother and on his back and stuff and the people would come out and go what the fuck dude there's just a drunk <laughs> yeah my brother would just act drunk on their yard it's kind of a precursor to what we do now and amazing. then uh, my brother was a great actor oh, he was he, so good he would sell to go, what's up you could get up you go huh did I fall asleep here and then sometimes the kids would come and I'd be like dad what's going on why is there a drunk kid on there? I mean, it's probably a dead giveaway that there was like eight of us in cars being like, totally, we'd be dying. Still funny though. Dude, thank you so much for coming on, JT. You're a fucking beast as always, dude. Are you kidding me, dude? Pleasure. Greatest t- honor in my life, dude. dude Talking you football me? with you on the right. mics. This is let's what it's go. all about, dude. Talking sports on the mic with my fucking dog, dude. Sports history. Let's go. Aaron, you're a beast on the sticks as always. Thank you. Um, dank Torians, questions, comments, suggestions, reach out, striderwilsontreads at gmail.com. And um, yeah, leave a review, leave a comment. That's always legit too. All right, guys, friggin' late, dude. Later. Nice.